Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We have part two of my interview with Mr. Glenn Ransom. If you missed part one, highly recommend that you pause this episode and go back and check that one out. Um, one of the the listeners' favorite episodes, one before this, that's Glenn Ransom's part one interview. And in case you missed it, uh, Mr. Ransom is the president of the Bible and Stories, which is an awesome company that has a wonderful product to bring families together around the Word of God. If you haven't seen this thing, I highly recommend that you check it out. You can do so by going to BibleandStories.com, and you'll see there just the three-volume, beautifully illustrated uh, Word of God that is easy to understand and digestible for children, teens, and adults alike. Uh, Before I jump into uh, the recorded interview with Glenn, I just wanted to, um, you know, say a word about today. Today, of course, being January 18th, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, you know, I'm actually holding in my hand right now um, a a children's pop-up book, An Adventure in Courage. This one is Martin Luther King Jr.'s Of course, Adventures in Courage, they've got books for Christopher Columbus, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and a few other great individuals as well. But what I wanted to say about this book, I wanted to read a line and just say a few words. Of course, uh, in here is a quote from Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous I Have a Dream speech. And it says, guys, very quotable line. It says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Of course, um, nothing like this was really said before. This was at the height of the civil rights movement in 1968. Guys, Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream has been realized in a lot of ways, a lot of ways here in America. And what we need to do is um, we, we need to realize how we're chipping away at his legacy before it's too late. Um, we, we've got policies floating around about resegregating um, public buildings, resegregating universities, resegregating schools. And the whole thing is appalling. It's being done under the guise of propping up minority voices, propping up minority businesses, propping up minority education. And it's just not true. I challenge you to do something for me. 
Just do something for me and sit in it and think about it yourself. Don't listen to what I'm telling you about it. Don't listen to what CNN or Joe Biden or anyone else is telling you about it, but watch, think, and listen for yourself. Um, Go to YouTube or Rumble or whatever app you're using to find video and type in Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream speech and look at the video. A couple of things that you'll see. One, even there in the 1960s, in the height of the civil rights movement, there were a lot of white people. There were a lot of non-black people in that crowd uh, that have supported equality under law for a long time. So other than that, another thing that I want you to see is look at the attire of the audience. Of course, the vast majority of the audience are black Americans, uh, not African Americans because they weren't born in Africa. They were actually born here, but that's a topic for another day. Look at the attire. You'll be hard pressed to find a gentleman that doesn't have a colored shirt. Even more hard pressed to find a gentleman that's not wearing a shirt and tie. And even further than that, a, you know, a jacket, a full blown suit, kind of like what Dr. King is wearing in the speech. Think about that being representative of Black America in the 1960s, um, a time where, you know, again and again we talk about. Um, fatherlessness in homes. We talk about uh, children born out of wedlock, children that didn't have two parents in the home. Those numbers have exploded, exploded. In the 1800s, 75% of Black children in America were born into a two-parent home. And now that number has completely flipped on its head, where only 24% of Black Americans are born into a two-parent home today. Think about what we're doing. If if we're going to insist on there being a Black America on this culture uh, that belongs to us, and of course, you know, that that would be me too. I am a Black American. I I can't be excluded if if we're going to color along these lines. Things are better than they've ever been for all Americans. We live in a time where we have more Africans who have immigrated to the United States than were ever brought here in the chains of slavery. And those Africans do exceedingly well by all measurable outcomes, much better than American-born Blacks. And the reason is because this is a great country, guys. This is a place where you can learn, you can work hard, you can save, you can achieve. But just just listen to what's being done. Listen to the policies that are being proposed. People are telling you, and I'm specifically talking to Black Americans here or anyone who wants to beat this drum and bring the reality of this truth um, to their friends, family, colleagues, whomever is in your sphere. They are telling us, Black Americans, that we will be better off and that we will get ahead if we stop doing things like working hard, if we stop reading. Uh, they're telling us that reading to children is actually um, is actually a vestige of the systemic racism that lives throughout our country. So stop reading to children. Reading to children is for white people. Uh, it's for rich white men. 
if we stop being good at math, if we stop being on time, if we stop working hard, if we stop achieving and striving and pursuing things that we see basically white people being successful in, then we'll be better off, guys. That is a lie. If you stop reading, if you stop learning, if you stop doing math, if you stop being on time, you, Black America, will pay the price for it. All right, so um, that soapbox is complete. Uh, We're going to get to the interview, but just ask yourself, how would Martin Luther King feel about the culture war that's going on today? How would he feel about this Black Lives Matter movement? Because we have, uh, who is very soon going to be the president of the United States, standing on national television saying that we are not focusing on all Americans. We're focusing on Black. We're focusing on Brown. We're focusing on Hispanic. Um, We are propping up inequality under law, and it's going to be good. And guys, it's a terrible, terrible idea. It's a dangerous idea, and it's a nasty deception. All right, so let's get into the interview with Glenn. I forget his name, and I feel bad because he's got a podcast too. Uh, But there's a Navy SEAL. um, He a former Navy SEAL and he runs a like a security training business where he trains law enforcement, military and civilians how to do tactical stuff. But he also just has these conversations with people where they unpack issues, philosophy, um, security or non-security related. And one of his guests, uh, he said that he had, he had learned from someone, the most important person in the world is the person or people that you're spending time with in any particular moment. And why that's true is because when you sit down on the couch and it's just you and your wife, and or it's just you and your child, or you sit at the coffee table across from a friend, a mentor, a mentee, whomever, what you've done is you've told everything and every person in the world no to spend that time with that person, which means that right then, it's weird, you know, right now I'm talking to you, we both have wives. Right now, we're, uh, of course, we would do anything for our family. But in terms of time, where we spend our time, we've said, hey, you know, at, at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning, Glenn and Joe are the most important people to each other. And to some extent, that's true of the things that we could have read, um, websites we could have been surfing or people that we could have been hanging out with. So because that's true, Treat it as such. When when you're with those people, spend the time. Christy Wright says, be present where you are. Wherever your feet are, if you're at work, then be at work. Uh, don't be distracted. Um, if you're downrange, if you're deployed, then be where you are executing the mission. Don't be distracted by uh, yesterday or tomorrow. And and that's important. And it's especially important in today's society because where you, where we are now is we're in this war against truth. And you, you spoke about a lot of issues that kind of point to the war against what is true. We've got relativists saying um, that truth is relative to the individual. We've got nihilists saying that um, truth doesn't matter, just what feels good matters. And 
all of this bumper sticker wisdom and you guys, Glenn and I have been beating the same drum and I'm going to beat it again. There, there's this bumper sticker wisdom, you know, man lives but one life, uh, but a reader lives the life of a thousand men. That's true. You know, if you read your, your experience, just like Glenn said, the people that you meet and the books that you read, your experience, your depth of knowledge, uh, the things that you know about greatly increases if you read. Uh, but here's where the, the bumper sticker gets debunked. While it's important to read, it's supremely important to read the book written by the creator of the universe. I have a lot of books that I love to read. I have a lot of books that are on the bookshelf that I haven't gotten to. My reading list is growing every day and I can't keep up, but I can't allow that to bump the book that was written by the creator of life who is outside of time, who is outside of, of life itself, is, is, is his own thing set apart. Man, <laughs> read the book. It's not hard. And we started here, and we'll, we'll probably beat this drum for uh, many years to come, Lord willing. But Well, Joe, many, many people have said, well, I just have such a hard time understanding the Bible. And I'm like, that's okay. And they're like, huh? I'm like, that's okay. Trust me. I'm like, just read it. Because I am confident that they will understand the parts that they're ready for. With the help of the Holy Spirit and with our Heavenly Father, they will understand plenty of what they read. And it will help them in their relationships and in their home and in their family and in their businesses and at work and at play, it will help them immensely. And I think going back to quote the Joe Mobley, um, that's just a lame excuse. I mean, but <laughs> it, he didn't call them the 10 suggestions. I mean, I probably shouldn't chase this rabbit. I'll, I'll try to get on and off the rabbit really quick, Joe. But one of the Ten Commandments is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But I'm pretty sure most of our retail establishments do the majority of their business with church people on Sunday. And just as for instance, if the people who name the name of Christ or claim the Bible or being a follower of the Bible just obeyed that one commandment, we would have six days of work and one day of rest. I mean, it would not be profitable to keep the stores and the grocery stores open. I talked to somebody in a local grocery store here lately. He goes, oh yeah. He's like, Sunday's one of our business day, busiest days. And I'm just thinking, we've gotten so far. I mean, and, and I'm not gonna argue with anybody. If you wanna argue, take it up with the guy who wrote the Bible, but they're not suggestions and I've been guilty before, but at this point in my life, unless the ox is in the ditch, yeah, it's not happening. I, I am just treating that Sunday, that day of rest, um, very different in the last probably two years of my life than I ever have before. Most people would be like, well, man, you're a real conservative, you know, for the last, 40 years uh, compared to what 
compared to everybody else or compared to what the word of God says, but just blocking that time for it to be a day of physical rest, mental rest, um, not mowing the yard, not, <laughs> not painting that room or fixing the hole in the roof or, you know, unless it's water's pouring in, I guess you should. Um, but just, it's, it's not a hard book to understand. And with the Bible and stories, then all the stories being retold, they're even easier to understand. Um, and the pictures make it to where the story is going to embed because I'll give you for, for instance, as to one of the things that I believe that was false that I'd heard my whole life. So in a home, ask simple questions. Um, the parents or the kids get things rolling and say, okay, really simple question, really easy. So there was this guy, his name was Noah and, um, God told him to build a boat. They called it an ark. Uh, you still with me? Okay. You still with me? Okay. All right. And then there were these animals. And, um, so the simple question is how many of each kind of animal did he bring on that boat on that ark? And, you know, kids or adults are like two. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Two. And I'm like, you've been lied to. And buddy, their hair will raise up on the back of their neck and they're like, what? Like, you know, who are you? Like questioning the Bible, like da, 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 da. I'm like, get your Bible. Turn to this reference right here. What does that say? And they read it and they're like, what? It's not two. It's not two. It's not the complete answer. Not even accurate. God told Noah to take two of every unclean but he told him to take seven pairs of every clean animal. So 14, he took 14 sheep. He took 14 cows. He took 14 of everything that was clean, two of every unclean and seven of every bird of every fowl of the air. And it's pretty simple to understand why back in that time when they were still operating under the sacrificial system, if you get off the ark and you've got two sheep and you sacrifice one, <laughs> sheep are done unless you sacrifice the male and the female's pregnant. And then you better not be doing any more sacrifices before you, I mean, and they had to have something to eat. And so if you get off and you, you, you know, slaughter a cow, uh, cows are finished. And so of all the clean animals that they sacrificed or they ate, they had 14 were on the ark. And I'm curious to see when I have an opportunity to get to the Ark Encounter um, by Ken Ham and those guys. Um, I'm saying his name right. I'm curious to see if they've got just two cows on there or if they've got 14. Uh, <laughs> and you say, well, what's the big deal? Um, I, most people believe, I believed when the writer that I commissioned to do all the stories wrote that story and I'm proofreading it. And the editors were reading it. We're going, what? I'm like, has she lost her mind? Like, what is she writing? Seven pairs of, uh, I went and grabbed my Bible. I turned to the reference. It was attached to the story title. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. 
But because in Sunday school and vacation Bible school and all the little kids songs, it's two by two, do, 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 you know, and that's what the story says. And we've, and that repetition has been there over and over and over. That's what we believe. It's just not true. Uh, and there's lots of things like that. And I don't know, it was, it was fun to, to work on this project and try to create something that would give any adult, regardless of biblical knowledge, regardless of their reading ability or inability, it doesn't get any easier than pictures to understand and remember. Um, but it's just, it's exciting to try to put into someone's hands a tool that is easy to use and most importantly, easy to understand, easy to remember, because the goal is application. And if you can't understand it or you don't remember it, you will not apply it. Um, there's lots of other ideas I've had. When Joe's talking about books and people, um, you I don't care who you are, and no matter how strong you think you are, you will become like the people you hang out with. You will. They will influence you much more than you can imagine. Um, for those parents out there, there were things you're like, I'll never do something like that. And then, you know, you're five years, 10 years into parenting and you're catching yourself doing the exact same thing your dad did or the exact same thing your mother did that you vowed you'd never do. Um, and we're it's kind of like imprinting on a duck. And so the other thought I had, Joe, was when I was training the students and there, for those of you, there's over 10,000 of our alumni scattered all over the world that had the varsity experience and training of the varsity internship program. They're all going to remember when I use this next term um, exactly what I'm talking about, but we call it a personal conference. And we were encouraged as team leaders, <clears throat> organizational leaders, to block time to be alone with an individual. You'd be in a public setting, but in a, in a private public setting where initially we didn't have cell phones, so nobody could get to you, but then cell phones came along. But in a personal conference, I put it on silence all. Or I said, look, this is really important. I blocked this time to give to you to, to help you in any way I can. So I'm going to turn my cell phone off. And they'd grab their cell phone and they'd turn it off. Cause I wasn't going to ask them to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. But if somebody came up and interrupted us, I'd be like, um, sorry, we're, I'm tied up right now. This time's committed to, to Joe. And so I'll need to get back to you later. And that communicates to the person you're with that they're of value and that they're important and you're trying to accomplish something of significance. I remember a young reporter somewhere out, maybe Arizona or West, who was interviewing some just multi best-selling author, speaker lady, and she was in her home and um, they were in the middle of the interview and it's probably back in the eighties back in the dark ages. Um, but her, she's at home. The author is the speaker is with this young lady who's interviewing her and the phone starts ringing and the interviewer stops and is like, aren't you going to get that? 
And <laughs> the author's like, no. And the interviewer's thinking, man, that's kind of rude not to answer the phone. And she goes, I've got an answering machine. She said, what we're doing is important. This interview is important. Nobody's getting into this time. And it just, that was probably the thing that blew the interviewer away the most was that this, I mean, it could have been her agent. It could have been a multi-million dollar deal or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars speaking engagement. And she's just letting it go to voicemail. And I've never forgotten that story. Um, but I know this. There are a lot of young men and women, some of them are now in their <laughs> 50s and probably pushing 60 that I've had the opportunity to train and mentor, but um, they'll never forget those times that we blocked off in that personal conference. And when you block off that time with your spouse or you block off that time, and, and there, there's a portion of this audience that they don't have children and that's fine sometimes you can make more of an impact on a niece or a nephew than the parents. Um, because, you know, if you tell your girl, you know, you're beautiful, she goes, Oh yeah, thanks dad. But she doesn't believe you. But if an uncle or an aunt or somebody else says you're beautiful, they're like, they believe it. And it's like, what? I'm your dad. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, I'm, prejudice, but I mean, you are beautiful and, but they don't believe certain things that mom and dad tell them. But if they hear it coming from an aunt or an uncle, I've watched behavioral issues be dramatically altered by people that were just paying attention and speaking into the situation. We had a, a seven-year-old in our home, a guest, and she'd had a really good time. And it got time to leave. And she immediately started complaining. And my 24-year-old son um, beat me to the punch. And he's like, hey, you need to be thankful. And I was like, he beat me. And then, But I jumped in on the bandwagon. I said, hey, I said, if you're not thankful and you're not grateful, you don't thank your dad. You know, because my son said, I think you need to thank your dad for letting you come over. If, you, if you're not thankful and you're not grateful, you may not get to come back. I mean, like, Let's, let's be excited about the time we did have together and just really quick nipping that pruning that behavior, nipping it in the bud quickly early on, because we don't, we don't do poochy lips here. We don't, we don't do pouting here. We, we voted against it decades ago. It's just like, really? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, speaking, well, I mean, we've got, we, we definitely have issues in my house and we've definitely got things that the Lord's working on us and he needs to get more control over. We need to surrender, but we're by no means perfect. Um, having the opportunity to raise six kids that are now 30 years old to 12. Uh, we still are, we're still working on a number of things in our own home as we always will be. And I hope that I'm always open to, change myself and improvement. But I just wanted to make a note about the significance of one-on-one -on -one personal time blocked off. Um, because buddy, when you, I don't know, for me, I'm like, I, really? Like I can set a time and I can set a physical place to meet 
with the guy who spoke everything I see into existence, like, like I can have personal time alone with him and he's going to like communicate with me through his word, through prayer. And sometimes praying and running our mouth, it's like, shut up. Like go silent, like go silent and listen. And it's not about the number of the amount of scripture. One day you might read five chapters. Another day you may only get one verse and be stopped dead in your tracks and go, whoa, something needs to change or whoa, that's incredible. And you're inspired for the rest of the day off one verse. It's not, but lose this mentality of it's a requirement. It's what Christians do. It, it's no, it, that that's from the devil. That's straight from the pits of hell. It's a lie. Um, Nobody wants to be forced to spend time with somebody, but I, I don't know. The more you feed the hunger of intimate time, I think the more that desire for that intimate time is going to increase. Um, remember a young lady, she's probably 17 in a former church. Uh, it was question and answer time after the sermon. And she said, well, I just have a really hard time in my quiet time, staying alert, staying awake. And I'm, and she's saying this in front of like a hundred people. And I'm thinking, okay, I can't let this float downstream unattacked or unresponded to. And I said, hey, I said, because um, I knew she was dating a young man in the church. But he wasn't in the room. But I said, when, when, when he calls you and it's late at night and you're really tired and, and her whole face lit up and her eyes just started glowing and everybody could see it. And I said, do you have trouble staying awake when you're on the phone with him. And she's like, Oh no. And I said, do you fall asleep or you nodding off or you get to say, she goes, Oh no. And I said, what if you approached your quiet time with that same anticipation? And I think for those who are in any kind of relationship, you remember that time where it was new and I mean, you would move heaven and earth to spend time with that person. <laughs> You would, you would get a day's work. You could probably get a day's work, a day's worth of work complete in an hour or two if you really wanted to. If that freed up six hours to go hiking uh, with this individual, and I don't know, we get to, we get to have that intimate one-on-one -on -one time with whoever we choose in most cases, and we can choose to spend that with a laptop or with work. Um, but it's just um, some very life altering conversations or aha moments have occurred to that student and I um, when we were having those personal conferences. When they could ask anything, they could express anything. It just, um, nothing beats that time with the people you're raising in your home, but the world and the media devices are heavily competing. Um, but what any child, if you take a young one, what they crave the most is physical interaction and communication. 
Um, it's just if we train them and hand them those digital devices, and I, I watch it happening with toddlers. Um, I mean, 18 months old, they're on tablets that probably could use one better than me. Um, and we're, we're programming them. We are, uh, Joe's word, we are indoctrinating them. We are being indoctrinated. And, but we have a responsibility. We have a, we have a opportunity to choose who's going to do the indoctrinating. But you will be indoctrinated. I wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that there is additional content from The Joe Mobley Show available for those of you who contribute to the show. To get access to the rest of The Joe Mobley Show's content, go to thejoemobleyshow.com and hit support the show. Any amount over $1 gets you access to exclusive content. That's right. We'll take whatever you're willing to contribute, but just $1 gets you access to exclusive interview content, Q&As from our listeners, and more. Now let's get back to the show. You know, I, did, I failed to mention this earlier, but the stuff that Glenn's talking about, the, the methods, the intentionality, uh, this stuff is so powerful. Uh, and again, I failed to mention this earlier. I trained to go on this internship. I didn't even go. I had a... At that summer, I had um, a family situation that I deemed and still hold was more important, uh, a better use of my time. Um, and still 12 years later, you know, I'm still in contact with, uh, with Glenn because, you know, one, this stuff works, but it, it speaks to uh, the importance of it, the importance of uh, being connected to people, not to devices, and and for spending time with one another, uh, with friends, with family, um, intentionally. You know, I don't think we got to a single question. <laughs> I don't think we had the, a single question. This has just been a hoot. I'll, um, well, of as, course, as your audience continues to grow, Joe, and people. Um, share your podcasts and encouragement with others. Um, maybe we can do it again sometime. Uh, but I've, I believe in what you're doing. I'm thankful to have met you years and years ago. Um, thankful for this opportunity to just be transparent and let everybody know I don't have my act together. Our home's not perfect. Our kids aren't perfect but we are progressing. We are improving um, with Lord's help and committed to getting better. And one of our trainers used to say the road to excellence is paved via the road called better. Just little by little. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to lose 50 pounds tomorrow. Just lose eight ounces. Um, always amuses people when I tell them I can eat an elephant. <laughs> You're right. It's really simple. It's just one bite at a time. Um, crystallizing and breaking down goals. Very, very thankful, Joe, though, for this opportunity. Awesome. Well, thanks, Glenn. I'm thankful as well. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you two questions before you go. Last question is always the same. Uh, but if we can just... You know, we touched on a lot of these things um, and, and you know, I've kind of used the, the terms conservatives and Christians are not interchangeable in any way. Um, 
you know, it used to be true that, uh, you know, Christians were pretty reliably conservative, uh, but, you know, not mincing the terms, I'll, I'll say the conservative camp. What, what do you see right now um, in America being the chief issue, the primary issue uh, facing conservative Americans? For me, that one's real easy, Joe. Um, if we lose, uh, people could talk about church and all that, but it, the basic building block is the home, the family unit. And I think in a lot of ways we're very off track and we're losing the quality of that brick. And if you want to improve the quality of the building or the county, the state, the nation, you got to focus on the individual brick. And that individual brick is that family unit, that house, that home. And I think if we don't get serious about doing what we need to do at home and assuming the role, assuming the responsibilities that we've been given by God in our homes, instead of shopping it out to surrogates. Um, I think the devil's number one target is relationships, families, the home, the nuclear family, um, trying to do everything in his power to destroy your marriage, my marriage. Um, if he can't do that, then he's going after the kids. Um, and we're at war. It's, <laughs> and anybody that thinks we're not at war, uh, I'm very concerned for you. Um, but it's in my mind, the most influential thing, I think it was Stalin that said the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And we're, I'm around a lot of people who are really serious about getting things squared away at home. Like they're not, you know, blaming the church or blaming the pastor or blaming the school system or blaming the politicians. They're like, Nope, it's me. It's right here. It, I need to take care of what I do have control over at home. Um, uh, John R. Rice, um, great man of God used to talk about how you go in churches and talk and people get so upset about, you know, kicking the Bible out of the schools or kicking prayer out of the schools. And he goes, how dare you, you hypocrite. There's no law that prevents you from reading the Bible or praying in your home. And you're not even doing it in your home. And I'm like, ouch, that one hit home. Um, <laughs> but we'll get, you know, conservatives or Christians up in a frenzy about, you know, what's going on in the school. It's like, well, uh, excuse me, are, are, you, are you doing it in your house? And it's, it's mic drop. It's deathly silent. 99 times out of a hundred. Um, so what's that last question, Joe? Man, you know, it's funny. The last question's about a book <laughs> and what you just said reminded me when we last spoke, you recommended The Bondage Breaker by Neil T. Anderson, which I bought and have kind of pensively <laughs> looked at because you said 
uh, you know, all heck breaks loose in that last <laughs> section of the book when you're when you're putting it into practice. But three three parts, and the devil will do everything to get you not to read or not to follow the suggestions in part three of the book, The Bondage Breaker. Yeah, so something to look forward to. <laughs> um, all right, so last question, which is also the second question. This has just been a, a great interview, a great conversation. Um, so beside a prescriptive religious text, an official um, book of an official religion, if you could get everyone on earth to read and understand one book, what would it be and why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, I got to switch your question up a little bit. I'm going to go, this may not be um, allowed, but I'm going to take the liberty. I'm going to go with three. <laughs> number number one it, for I, me. I had one guest. He, he actually just picked an author. <laughs> just <laughs> dozens of books. <laughs> Um, there's, there's three things that I've kind of settled on in my mind. One, coming from an entrepreneurial background and a business background, one of the books that influenced me the greatest, and I think would influence anyone, is a book entitled Movers of Men and Mountains. It's the autobiography of R.G. Letourneau, um, I think heavy earth moving equipment, some great inventions. Um, but Movers of Men and Mountain by Moody Press, um, kind of the life story of R.G. Letourneau. Uh, the second title that came to my mind is by Robert Kiyosaki. It's the whole rich dad, poor dad, or cash flow quadrant. But people think they're smart financially, but they're not because they've been educated. They've not been educated. And so Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or The Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. And then the third one, a shout out to our phenomenal director of training, Joe Martin, uh, who's a business consultant. He personally believes the greatest turnaround book outside of the Bible, definitely it's outside of the Bible, but it's a little book that we used to issue to all the students when they came in for training in varsity. And... It's Ogmandino's book, The Greatest Salesman in the World. And the key there is there are 10 scrolls in, I want to say the back of the book, that are recommended you read scroll one for one week. You read it once in the morning, once at lunch, and once in the evening. And so you read each of the 10 scrolls for a week. Like So scroll one, you read for seven days, and you read it three times a day. And Joe has used that text, that book, The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino. It's a small little book. Probably, if you're a fast reader, you can probably read it in 60 to 90 minutes. Um, but because of the scrolls and him using those scrolls to help people literally get their life turned around on the right track or back on the right track. And so I'm going to three instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. The reading list is just getting longer and longer. Luckily, uh, I've read some of the books people are throwing out. <laughs> uh, but again, I thank you, Joe, for this opportunity. Um, and look forward to 
seeing how your program adds value and, and helps people find their voice and know that the majority of America folks, I'll, I'll throw this in at the end. I've been house to house. I've been door to door in this country. And if you listen to what the media is saying all the time, you're going to be very discouraged and you're going to be very frustrated and you're going to believe something that's just not true. I've been in the roots. I've been in the houses with people. I mean, and we're not talking just a certain group of people. I mean, like very old, recently retired, senior parents, uh, brand new parents, expectant parents, single people. I mean, every possible conceivable family configuration you can imagine. Atheist, every anything you can imagine. I've been there in the home. And I'm here to tell you, there is a very strong conservative. There is a very strong, there's, I'm not ready to throw in the towel or give up hope. I, I think there's a lot of things going right, but we just hardly ever hear about them. You hear about the 15,000 businesses that were closed, but you don't hear about the 15,000 businesses that were opened or started during a pandemic. Um, because bad news sells, but don't believe everything you're reading or you're seeing or you're listening to, because uh, there are people out there that know bad news sells and, um, you know, it's hard to make news go 24 seven, but that's what we, that's the world we've put ourselves in. We think we need news 24 seven, you know, constant information, shut it all off, turn it all off, read the book with all the answers get in a place totally silent. Don't take any device with you and find answers and peace and um, a security you've never known is what I would encourage. Awesome. Well, great word, great conversation as always, Glenn. Um, Of course, if you uh, didn't hear in the beginning, you can look up Glenn's uh, business and kind of interact, engage with his um, <clears throat> with his product, excellent product, the Bible and Stories. And you can learn more by going to bibleandstories.com. That's all one word, bibleandstories.com. Thank you for listening to the Joe Mobley Show. If you haven't already, do subscribe to the show. Uh, give us a five-star rating. If you're going to give us one through four, go ahead and put a comment. That'll be tremendously helpful. Uh, and also kind of put some substance uh, to your rating. Uh, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Glenn. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.